Welcome to the Depths of Motherhood podcast, the show that is ready to go deep into the exploration of raising wildlings in today's world and how to tap into your innate wisdom. Hosted by Danielle Baker, a women's circle facilitator, doula, and passionate mother. Danielle welcomes guests onto the show who are dedicated to positively influencing the world of pregnancy, birth, parenting, and humaning in general. Join us to debunk the myths and reveal truths that will realign you back to your true nature. Mothering in today's world may seem overwhelming at times. This podcast aims to cut through the noise to share with you information to support you on your journey. Welcome everybody to the Depths of Motherhood podcast. I'm your host, Danielle. This week, another Danielle joins us on the show. Welcome, Danielle. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Mm, Thank you for being here. We made it. I'm so happy. We've been in touch for a long time, following Mm -hmm. each other's journey, and now we get to sit with each other. So I'm really happy about that. Before we drop in and hear all about your story, I'd love for you to share with the listeners where you are and who you're a mummy to and what you're doing in your spare time. Mm-hmm. So we currently right now are in the south of England and I am a mummy to my three-year-old daughter, Rosie. Mm-hmm. I can't believe she's three. Like, I feel like all parents say that, but when I say it out loud, it's like, oh, she's three now. Yeah. So yeah, that, that's me. I'm a yoga teacher, meditation teacher. and I don't normally like say this because I think it's a little bit like, oh, because it's not my career, but I, from, because it is to do with parenting, I think it's quite important. I'm a military wife, so that does affect parenting. So, yeah. Mm. I want to get all I'd into like that to with share you. that. That's yeah. like a whole, wow. Yeah. I was also in the military before. Mm. This could have been my path too, to be there, but. Yeah. You're, so your partner's in the military, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Does he yeah. work close to you or is he working away right now? At the moment, he's here for the next three weeks, but he's just about to go away for four months. So wow. that's a whole of the spin on things, isn't it? And and thank you for yeah. putting it out there because it puts, puts a lot into perspective about your life as well. Mm. Yeah. Massive. Mm. And do you live close to family or? And luckily right now we do which I'm super grateful for because we, we've had periods of time where we haven't, but since having my daughter, we have managed to stay relatively close to them. And I think I would be completely lost without that because effectively when they go away, you turn into a solo parent. So yeah, but we're navigating. I'm really happy that you have support near you. It means so much. So let us drop into this space. If you feel comfortable to close your eyes. Mm -hmm. That would be great. And just notice your breath for a moment. See if your breath is moving to all areas of your body or if it's getting locked in somewhere. And just notice without trying to change it. And as you continue to observe the breath, notice how it dances into different areas. And tuning into your womb space. Just breathe deep into your womb. And as we're here, just giving thanks to your womb for everything she has done, that she's held you through. And create some space 
to allow your story to come through, for you to be a channel for your experience and for your words to allow the story to manifest into the world. Mm. Welcome back into the space and I would mm. love to hear your your story, your birth story or your motherhood story, whatever wants to come through today. Mm-hmm. I think my birth story is something I feel like that is obviously where it all started. And for me, it was completely different to how I had originally intended or now in hindsight, when I say planned, seems like I could never have planned planned it, but you know, it was completely different to how I had hoped it would go. But obviously now three years on, I, I always reflect back and I think, God, it, it taught me so much about my myself. So I I think at, almost as each year goes, I feel like I learn or get something more from it. So yeah, should I just start from the beginning of birth? Yeah, please. Yeah. Like whatever if yeah, if you want to go, if it's pregnancy that wants to come through first and lead in, whatever you feel. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I think. So I had the envisioned that I was going to be this like beautiful, like earth mum that was going to just absolutely love pregnancy. And about six, I was only about six to eight weeks pregnant and I had really bad morning sickness. Well, it wasn't even morning. It was like all day sickness. And I just thought, oh gosh, like this is not what I had thought I was going to feel or almost what I had maybe been told by other people that I was should feel. So I found pregnancy quite hard and towards the end, mentally, I found it really difficult. She was a January baby. So obviously we were in winter. So I think that didn't help because we had like dark mornings and dark nights and I just felt like I wanted to like hibernate and I was so uncomfortable. Yeah, I just... I think my, I thought what I thought of pregnancy was going to be for me was the complete opposite. So I was like, oh, and I think that almost scared me a little bit because I thought, oh, I thought, you know, all I ever wanted to do was be a mum. And I thought, you know, I was going to really enjoy it, but I didn't. And then you felt really guilty for not enjoying it. And I, or for a few years afterwards, I always felt guilty saying that out loud because you know how many people that's all they want so I always felt really guilty but I think it's really important to share because when I was in it I felt like the worst human and the worst mother on the world for not feeling grateful or or well so I mean it wasn't I didn't have anything too complicated just the sickness and the the tiredness but yeah so pregnancy was a little tricky and then closer to the birth so she but her due date was actually New Year's Day so the closer, like, as soon as Christmas happened, I could tell the midwives were a bit like, almost now trying to like, come on, let's, let's like get this baby out. And I was like, well, hang on a minute. Like, we're not even at her due date. On her due date, I was offered the sweep. And again, like, in hindsight now, I would have done things completely different. But I think because mentally where I was in the pregnancy, I was like, I just can't do this anymore. I just feel like I didn't, in hindsight, I didn't have the support to know that, 
you know, she hasn't got to come on that day that somebody told you on some scan, like you've not done anything wrong if she doesn't come then. So I had that on her due date and then nothing. And then I was getting really fed up and my husband said to me, he'd taken the time off work and he said to me, right, let's go to the beach because it's like my, my place. He's a really keen photographer. So he went to do like a sunrise shoot and I just tagged along, tagged along, waddled along with him. But it was so beautiful. He was shooting the sunrise and I was just like sort of back from him, just watching it. And I remember, it almost makes me feel emotional thinking about it. But I just remember thinking to myself, and I don't even know if it's thinking to myself. I think it's like a, a higher power, like a voice. I was like, I am ready now. We are ready. Like we can do this together. And that, yeah, I just remember the sun just coming up and I was like, we're we're good like this is gonna happen that night my water so we went that was like six o'clock in the morning the midnight that night at literally one oh midnight my water's broke in bed naturally and yeah obviously like first baby you're a bit like well I was like I don't know what I'm doing there was a little bit of panic that set in and we rang the hospital and they were like you can come in but you know you probably got a while so if you can try and rest and stay at home I managed to go back to sleep. Everything was fine. And this is where it gets a little blur. My story gets a little bit like, I don't know fully if I can remember everything in like chronological order. I know I'm like darting about a bit here, but a year after birth, I had some Reiki and some healing. And I realized I had quite a lot of birth trauma, which is why I can't. I can't put it together in like a proper timeline. So forgive me if it sounds a bit like scatty. So what I remember is then that eve, the following evening or the evening of the waters break in, I started to get some contractions. So I went in and my original plan, like, like, I think you have it at like the 10 week checkup. They're like, do you have a birth plan? And I said, I really wanted a home birth, but I was really just, I think, discouraged by the midwife like you know first baby you know she might be safer in hospital like literally was just not even gonna entertain the idea and now like if we're blessed enough to have another one I know that for me personally I feel safer at home so that would be where I would hope to have the next one but anyway we ended up going into hospital it was so busy that evening we got put in like a little side triage room Actually, it was quite nice. It was like a little cave and I had like my incense on. I had all my little, you can't have proper candles, but like my little tea lights and my clary sage. And I felt really good and I felt really safe. But again, in this blooming plan, I'd put down that I'd hope to have a water birth. So I think I got to like three centimeters and they were like, oh, the water birth room's ready if you want to move. They moved me and obviously it was a bigger room. It was bright white light and it smelled of bleach. And there was something in my body that just, I think I went from feeling quite safe and quite secure to my body just completely freezing. So much so, this is where it gets a bit, like timelines gets a bit fuzzy. But I remember going into that room and I had a whole other, so I had that whole evening in that room. And I was sat on, I was sat up on the bed and I 
I can remember seeing my husband asleep in the chair and I don't think I moved for a while because my midwife that I had at the beginning, she went off shift. And then I remember seeing her at nine o'clock the next morning. So I must have been checked on. I obviously wasn't left, but something in me just froze and I, we had no contractions. We had no movement, like everything just stopped. So then come nine o'clock, the next check the next morning, I had to have the induction, you know, where they put the hormone drip in you to basically get everything going. And that was quite, and again, I always feel really uncomfortable saying it was traumatic because I know people have a lot worse, but you know, it was a traumatic feeling for me because I then couldn't move. I was like strapped to a bed. I couldn't have the water bear. I wasn't even really allowed to stand up. I was asked if I, I asked if I could at least stand in the shower to have the like water on my back. I couldn't even do that. So I was basically told you need to lay on the bed and like all this, the studies that I've looked at afterwards, obviously that's like one of the most trickiest places to try and give birth because you're going against like gravity and they couldn't quite get the, the hormone like right like sometimes it would be like really really powerful and sometimes I wouldn't be feeling anything and again I'd hope to have it without any medication but I got to the point I think I'd had like two paracetamol at this point and the midwife was like you know you don't you don't get any earn a medal if you don't have anything and I was like I know but I didn't I just didn't want to have that anyway I ended up having the gasoline and then again it was all a bit of a blur I remember I got, I'd been pushing for two hours and they said to me, if you don't have her in the next 20 minutes, we're going to have to take you down to have an emergency cesarean. And that was just like, mm -mm. and I remember, this is one of the things I really remember. I remember thinking that is not happening. Like for me, I'm not, you know, I'm not doing it. And I managed in the 20 minutes to, well, between me and Rosie, we managed to move her down a centimeter and she and I needed to turn her so I managed to turn her which again I always think god oh, that's so like my my mind is your your mind is so powerful to what is going on with your body because I was like mm -mm, that's not happening like I'm just choosing not to believe that's even an option for me yeah and I did have some complications I had to have an episiotomy so they had to cut me and she had a, a kiwi birth you know where they put the cup on their head that was really traumatic because somebody was literally like pulling. But yeah, I just think the, and then luckily she was all fine. She was all well and she came. But those things that happened from the standing on the beach to, yeah, I'm ready to her being on my chest. And I always feel really guilty saying this, but again, for the, for the point of hoping it will help somebody else. I think I'd had so much trauma for me personally in that time when she was placed on my chest, there was that like, oh my God, like complete relief and like, I love you so much. But I remember they said to skin to skin that she needs to be an out, like they have to have an hour solid skin to skin before my husband could hold her. And I remember like clock watching, like, I just want to get her off me, which saying out loud, I feel awful but I just want people to know if they feel like that that and I have spoken to a few women previously that have had similar but I think my I had had so many doctors midwives people cutting me pulling me I was just like completely 
overwhelmed, overstimulated that I couldn't, you know, I couldn't even, even have that. And I, I was really lucky. I don't think, you know, I didn't end up having sort of any postpartum sort of depression or anything. I, you know, I don't think it affected the bond and I managed to, or between Rosie and I and the support from my family, it managed to not affect anything else, but I do always worry and wonder, you know, that could have gone quite differently because of the experience. And I have, like I mentioned, I had done, she got to about a year and I saw a lady that she's actually trained. She does hypnobirthing and she does Reiki. She does a lot with women's women's health. And she did some Reiki on me and she was the first, she said to me, like, talk to me about your birth journey, your breastfeeding journey, which was another like story all in itself. But she was the first woman, first person that I felt one honored the fact that yes, I could be, I could have trauma from it because you're sort of taught. I think, I don't know if it's an English thing, but well, your baby's here, your bird's happy and healthy, like just get on with it. Like, what are you complaining about? Basically, she was the first person that allowed me to feel the feelings and and then I was able to process it because up until then I was just not, you know, I was just like shutting it, it all down. And that was manifesting in my relationship with my husband and, you know, all sorts of, all sorts of things. So, yeah, I think being able to say quite freely that I had birth trauma is quite a big thing for me to say. And I really encourage other women, like if that has happened to them to for me, it was allowing myself to to have that, to to feel that, and not not feel the guilt of that, like I'd done something wrong. Yeah. Wow. Mm. Thank you so much for sharing that. I have some things that I want to ask as well, but I just want to say, wow, you know, like well, you, you went through this whole journey, and you've had the strength to be able to really see yourself and meet yourself and honor everything that's coming up against like everything that we that you've been told or what you've what is expected from you as a mother who's just mm. given birth and so mm. that is massive and takes a lot of strength and being here today three years later and sharing this is huge because mm. it's still something that's moving you and it helps you and it's it's like driving you to see the world differently like it's changed yeah. your whole perspective on things it sounds like well, you were just about to touch on to breastfeeding how was that so I knew I don't again I don't know in hindsight if it's the trauma of the birth that or and also I've done a lot of reading on how the trauma of, or researching on how the trauma of the birth can affect the child and I think that definitely has something well, I personally feel it had something to play with it, but I remember feeding her in the hospital and I just knew, I thought, this isn't, doesn't feel right. Like, I don't feel like this is correct, but the midwives that were there were like, no, no, like, it's, it's all fine. And I just thought, oh, listening to my instinct, I was like, this doesn't feel right. And the day before we went home, so I think we stayed in, the, in, in for one night, the day before we went home, I actually asked to speak like a breastfeeding. I don't actually know what they call them, but Lactation. somebody who's 
yes, yeah, somebody in the within the hospital that uh-huh. is that specializes in it. So they come and checked and watched how I was feeding. And again, they said, no, no, you know, it's all fine. And I just remember thinking, this doesn't, I, don't, I mean, I don't know what it was supposed to feel like, but I just knew in my gut that this wasn't right. And I didn't feel like she was getting enough and she would fall asleep on, on the boob. And I was like, this just doesn't, this is just isn't right. Anyway, we ended up going home because I was told and reassured that it was all fine. And then I was trying to like breastfeed her at home bearing in mind I had and again I'd listened to a lot of podcasts and done this and and done a bit of research but because we had the or I had the the name of it's gone out of my head where they cut you episiotomy episiotomy that's it that's the biggest word in history as well (laughs) 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 because I'd had that some women say that I've had that they have also struggled to breastfeed because of the you can't sit so you're uncomfortable to sit. So, and I wasn't really taught how to breastfeed while I was laying because I was told that was sort of unsafe. But anyway, so I think that affected it. Anyway, we got home and I think whatever the next day of the midwife check was, like the third day, she come in and she dropped, her weight had dropped like under what it should be. And the midwife said, oh, I think you should top her up with some formula or she'll have to go back into hospital. And I was like, as a new mum, I was like, wait what and I again I got her to to check how I was breastfeeding she said no it seems all okay but she would just fall asleep and like not take enough anyway we did in the end end up I ended up pumping so I knew how much so I could tell them so I knew how much she was Rosie was getting and then we did top her up with formula and even that like that has a whole guilt side to it for for me I remember going to like our first baby class the baby massage class I think I was the only everybody else was breastfeeding and I was the only one formula feeding and I felt really embarrassed to feed her with a bottle I felt like I'd done something like awful so yeah I always like to to mention that because I think that was a huge thing for me even feeding her in public which I know people have that when they breastfeed but I felt like I had to feed her in the car because I felt like I'd done something wrong but this was obviously all my expectation of what I had hoped you know motherhood or our journey would have been so yeah and then I sort of pumped and then formula fed her and I was just exhausted like by the time I'd finished pumping and then with a newborn once you've changed and winded she was really colicky and literally had like five minutes and then she was feeding them and the whole cycle would just go on and it just felt relentless. And I had a really, this is for one of the really positive things, a really lovely health visitor that sort of said to me, I think she could see that mentally it was taking a, a toll on me. And she said, don't have to do this. Like if, if she's feeding well on, on the formula and you're happier and you're getting more sleep on the formula, then, you know, you don't. You do not have to force yourself. She's like, I can hear and because obviously you have to tell them your routine. She said, I can hear and and tell that you're exhausted. So don't feel you have to do it. And she she said, don't just think about it. It's just, you know, just a just an option. But you, you know, you you're doing fine if you want to carry on what you're doing. And she I remember she left my house and I burst into tears and I just thought, I'm just not doing it. Like I just can't, I just can't do it anymore. 
So yeah, that was our, our breastfeeding experience. Thank you for sharing all this. And it just mm-hmm. makes me think of, you know, this journey that you and your daughter were on was meant for you both. For mm-hmm. whatever realizations have come through it, for whatever was needing to be experienced and it's such it's such a lot you know dealing with our expectations and the world's expectations and it just takes them angels like your health visitor to look at you and see you as a Mm. human being as a mother and say you need rest too instead of just you know going by the books or looking at what we're supposed to say but really seeing the mother and the baby and like how can we support that that's the most important thing Wow. So what would you say to your younger self? If you could go back, what would you say to her mm. whilst you were pregnant? My, so the biggest thing that I take from it is trust. I feel like my intuition is really strong, but I quite, I can get quite swayed off by somebody else's thought or opinion. But all these things like the the birth situation, the breastfeeding situation. I feel like if I had one spoken up for myself more and advocated for myself and two, if I'd have, yeah, so it, they're linked. So trusted myself that I know, you know, even though it was the first time I had been pregnant or the first time I was giving birth that I know, I still, I still know. And yes, yeah, so it's trusting, having that self-confidence and being able to speak up. I wish I'd just felt more brave to, to question the medical system. Oh, breathing in to that. <laughs> and it's only on the other side, right? Because I mm-hmm. think there's just a subconscious belief that you, they're going to do what's best in for you for your interest for you as a mother for the baby and as we can see in this story there's things to be met on their side deadlines and quotas and things like that Mm -hmm. and it's just amazing that you can sit here today and you can say all that to your younger self and you've had that experience and I think you know childbirth can be so humbling in ways that we're never gonna understand and yeah. we also can, from like from hearing your story, I'm. It's just an amazing reminder of for people supporting mothers to mm-hmm. be very aware of what they're saying. Like, are you saying something because it's a pattern? Like, oh, well, at least you and baby are okay. You know, like you survived. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. that's that's something I also heard too. Was like, well, you know somebody down the road they just gave birth and had forceps and I'm like oh yeah I shouldn't share my story like it's not worthy to be cured but mm-hmm. the thing is every story is different and every story deserves to have a voice because it supports us in it's, it's like moving forward but actually coming back like to what we know already right mm-hmm. it's like we do know it but actually we know it so deeply within our bones but our subconscious is so like intertwined with the stories that we've been told that especially when we're pregnant and giving birth especially it's Mm -hmm. like them fears come up and it's like you cling on to the thing that you're so used to trust in which is the system and it's like you might have this voice but it gets muffled and like you said about you know timeline shifting you can't even it's really hard for you to like fully remember what happened clearly 
And that is like, because we are open, we're so expansive and we, we're here, there and everywhere, backwards and forwards in our reality. Mm-hmm. And we trust when we're in that space where we like trust that someone has our best interests. And unfortunately, that's not coming from fear. What I'm about to say is not coming from fear, but it, it's truth. We hear these stories and we're like, okay, we can, this is our story and we can learn from it. So it's like mm-hmm. almost like the guilt is is worthy to be sat with because it shows us exactly where it is that we could do could have like seen something different not really though at the time because we only had what we knew but now if something Mm. was to happen as we share the story yeah I was sat with this yesterday like what is guilt like because I could say oh you know well I have guilt over this but maybe it was meant to happen that way or actually sitting with guilt and being like what is the depths of that guilt like what is underneath Mm. that what is it that I really needed and could have asked for if I had the right information and that's Mm -hmm. it and I and I love like social media so much if you're following the right people because you get that in bite-sized pieces or just enough to take you on a trip to learn something else and Mm -hmm. we're doing this as mothers as families you know as fathers as well just learning more and more about our body so that we can make decisions and also just share like share Mm. with people speak to people so they have more choice definitely definitely I I think sharing has been the biggest the biggest healer for me like sharing my story and like I said the the lady that I went to have the Reiki with I I always I do think I think where would I be now if I had never had that you know if I had never been like you said never been seen and been allowed to accept how I felt so yeah because mm. so many people, when you sit and tell a story, they want to fix something. They don't want you to feel the pain. Mm-hmm. So they want to normalize it. And what's like obvious as we look at what's happening in our society, when we normalize things, we suppress it. So it's like having the courage to share. And also, if you're the one listening, to sit with it without trying to change it and just letting it be as it is. And if mm-hmm. you don't have words, that's okay. I think mm-hmm. we're in a society where we think we have to give feedback and we have to give something back where we can just yeah. sit there and be like, I see you. I love you. That's, that's it. That's mm-hmm. enough. That's yeah. enough. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Thank you so much, Danielle, for being here and sitting with us. <laughs> Me right now, but everyone else in the future. <laughs> like all Thank of you. us, all of my personalities. Yeah. <laughs> and Thank I you hope so that much. you have a beautiful evening. And yeah, you're you're about to put your daughter to bed now, right? I am, yeah. I'm gonna do a bath and read a story and then go. Oh. <laughs> Give her a big hug from me and thank her too. Her story. Yeah. 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 Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. You're welcome. Thank you. We did it.